This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. All right, guys. Happy New Year from the Cabal cast for our first cast of the year. We're going to keep it simple, keep it personal. Basically, what we're proud of, what we did, what we're not proud of, etc. In the vein of magic throughout the last year uh obviously it was kind of a challenge there were no shows really so it'll be interesting uh, yeah. neither of us have shared each other's moments so we're going into this blind on what the other person's saying so let's take it away yeah. um so for me one of the things that i'm proud of but never really got around to putting in place was the groundwork for a local tournament series so I mentioned before that there are a number of stores locally and they're all kind of disparate. They all have their own unique feel and what they do and thus the player bases don't really come together and mingle aside from pre-releases and even those it's still really spread out and places will cap at a smaller number and that leaves one store to pick up the, the rest of the slack essentially and we get to hold that pre-release at a hotel and it's awesome. But that feel of community where you see the same people all the time at these events has kind of been lost when GPTs and PPTQs or PTQs, whatever you want to call them, were removed. So I was working with a local vendor here uh, with your guidance for the framework for a tournament series that we were going to look to put together to bring a, a fractured community together and give people a way to play at the stores they like in the area, but at the same time, on a few weekends a month or a few weekends a quarter come back together into one larger event and make it feel like those old ptqs where it was a day-long event you ran sides you know it, you wanted to come out and play magic more and we kind of laid the framework and we're going to start talking to stores locally to get some buy-in and see if they were interested because there's really no obligation on their end besides just sending us attendance lists for fnm yeah and that's something that I'm proud of, and I, I keep those files around because I got to dredge them up when we can start playing in stores again. But that was something I was, you know, looking forward to. That's honestly something that I hope comes back when events start up again, because I feel like, like you said, you kind of lost that element of community of yeah. the grinder mentality, where even if you're grinding locally and just grinding a circuit of tournaments locally, you still get that, like, group and that friendship and that, like, feedback of people that play at a high level to win or whatever. And I'm hoping that since that has been kind of absent, that that will be one of the things that people really pick up on, that, like, you know what? This was absent before COVID, but now that we've realized how absent it was, we want to pick up and we want to get that going. Exactly. I think that's like my big hope is that that's something that comes out of all this is yeah. when in-store events happen, all of a sudden the community is picking that gauntlet up and mm -hmm. establishing, all right, here's what we're going to do, guys. Yeah. Uh, similar vein, I am actually proud of the NAMI event that we put together earlier this year, which unfortunately did not happen, yep. but uh, was putting together a legacy 5K uh, that if it capped would have been a 10K to benefit NAMI. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, what does the name stand for again? Just uh, re-up. National Alliance for Mental Illness. So it is the nation's leading charity for assisting people with dealing with mental illness, basically. Uh, caused dear to my heart. 
look it up on Twitter. There's a huge thread where I talk about the mountain goats um, and magic and how it relates to my struggles with mental illness. But I was really, really proud that that came together, that the community supported it, that I was able to work with multiple local stores yeah. to get like stuff donated. Uh, obviously, didn't happen. Some of the donations I actually have auctioned off and all of the money did go to NAMI during their Christmas fun drive where they match every dollar that you donate. So that's helpful, but we'll be, you know, hoping to do it again. If events start this year, Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. That one got, uh, a, but that, uh, was, that one got a lot was, closer than what I was looking for to do as well. Uh, everything yeah. was in place. Uh, flights purchased and vouchers are now outstanding waiting for the re up on the event. you know, right. It, it's definitely, sad but also a worthwhile endeavor to put together these kind of charity events sad because we had to cancel uh, yeah. everything still went to a good cause though and, and again even if it's you know uh, these charity events it's still just uh, like bringing people together because as magic players we are about the community you can't really exist on your own island and play this game truly successfully you look at some of the lone yeah. wolves that have made it into uh, the pro scene and they burn very bright but usually find a team shortly thereafter or if they don't kind of uh, fade out and yeah. it's it's sad that you can't do that but at the same time that's a lot of what the game is about you know creating these bonds in these communities um, a, to tangent not tangent off but to just wander away from the tournament scene and building community one of the things that I'm actually glad I did this year was kind of shed the weight of maintaining a working knowledge and desire to play like short-term formats like standard historic and pioneer and they are definitely relevant to mtg finance and the game as a whole i still buy boxes of standard sets because i'm a degenerate and i'll crack packs when i when i feel <laughs> like it yeah but maintaining that working knowledge of these formats to such a degree that I did put way too much stress and emphasis on a part of the game that I just didn't care about after a while. I stopped caring about Standard a long time ago. I didn't really want to play it anymore. The only reason I paid attention was because that's what Star City was running. That's what the WotC events are, etc. Yeah. And maintaining a good enough knowledge of those events to look at things financially can be handled, but to a much lesser degree of deserved attention. So yeah. I was able to walk back and reclaim a lot of those hours for me to put elsewhere in the game and also my personal life. I don't need to go digging through standard articles anymore. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, especially being a vendor, and after you're a vendor for so long, you'll run into other vendors that have same issue whatever there are so many more vendors that just don't play the game yep. than do because of the amount of time that's exactly what you're saying it's like i can straddle i can be one or the other it is really hard to straddle both for mm -hmm. a long period of time so you start to get like all right well i mean i guess i'll keep up with this stuff financially but i really like i'm not gonna play this anymore because i just don't have the time because it does become so like all-consuming yes. almost yeah. and that's just that's not healthy no. really and it, it's how you know you'll see even 
like you said, with pros, when they come in and they're a lone wolf and they burn bright and then sometimes they just disappear. It's kind of how it is with vendors, too. If they are just like gung-ho, grind, 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 grind with no breaks, uh, you lose your passion for it. You stop yeah. wanting to play. You stop wanting to bend. You stop wanting to have everything to do with it. I, I've had that discussion with you multiple times where I've been in that point. Yep. And finding that happy middle ground is like the way to be. really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm actually, something else I'm proud of is speaking of finding middle grounds and how to be happy within the vein, uh, moving more into the art side ah, good. of things has been for me personally, something I've got a lot more fulfillment out of. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously still hooking the locals up is great, but when you don't have LGSs open to help work with them, yep. I, you know, I, I lost that little bit of like personal enjoyment of helping those guys out. Mm -hmm. So just getting into art and like collecting original magic art. Uh, I just sold, I guess, the Serum Vision color study. There were a couple others if you're in the MTG art market oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that you may have seen. I have the original sketch for Homeland's Merchant Scroll now that's in its forever home, probably. I think it looks uh, just really cool stuff like that. Uh, that I, you know, finding that happy medium has just been really good. Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. Like, I, I never thought I'd really buy into art. I, I saw playmats as art previously, and I was like, I don't want to buy in. I'd rather win playmats. And art seemed so unattainable for a very long time, especially when it was mainly artist proofs. And yeah. as a player, I had nothing to do with them. And like li uh, living situations where you're like, okay, we have four bedrooms and we have to split this rent four ways, so I don't have a lot of wall space to do anything with. Kind yeah. of put a hamper on my desire to buy into any kind of art, really. But over the last couple of years, paying attention to uh, handlers has actually been uh, really important to kind of drive home the fact that this is a game that's not just about the text on the cards, but the art as well. And one can derive enjoyment from both parts, and art is much more accessible than you might think. Yep. And I think that's also super important to, to know and learn uh, as well. By paying attention to various handlers, you know, we found, uh, we bought prior to Vegas the enamel pin set for uh, all the Moxin. I've yep. got five by eight prints. Uh, of them as well. I've got a custom set of power from Dan Frazier, I believe that was yeah. very limited for my cube. Like, and these are all just great pieces to to own and display because the art for this game is fantastic. And a lot of times, some of the original sketches do go up, and they contain details that just aren't in the finalized version of the cards because this is the dr first draft sent to Watsi. So there's yeah. this really cool nuance in the art world as well that, that I really like. Um, so to stick with the uh, my, my previous thing, of like this is what I backed away from, what I refocused on in the game was uh, EDH. This year I spent probably more time playing EDH than I have any other year and paying more attention to modern and legacy as playable formats. And that isn't just from March forward. That started basically around January uh, and coming into uh, this year. So late 20, 2019, I basically swapped over to playing Mono Modern in paper at stores. And I was chasing FNMs for a while to play Modern and play testing at home for the first time in a very long time because I enjoyed playing Teferi 3 in Modern. 
I'm that person. Stoneforge Mystic is unlocked, so I'm cool with that. But modern has changed, uh, in my mind, for the better over the past like the past couple of months with a bunch of bannings. Past months being like twelve, but yeah. it's become a much more enjoyable format. Something I pay attention to, and Legacy is a format I've just been in on for a while but with that reclaimed time from standard i'm able to digest a little more content or dive a little deeper into these alternative formats and find interesting and new things to pay attention to and see what's going on because i can dig a little bit deeper and start diving tournament reports paying attention to subreddits uh read tournament reports you know, on the source if they ever go back up rip that website i was trying to find the greatest tournament report ever written or the tribute to it but a couple of weeks ago, somebody was talking about a report. I was like, oh, do I have one for you? Listen to these dredge and painter servants guys go. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. They are great tournament reports. If you've never read, like, uh, The Art of Dredging is an incredible article. Um, Mark Herberholtz yeah. wrote a follow-up article of that. I think it's called Don't Dredge Scared, but it talks about playing Always Sunny, which is a dredge variant with Sun Titan, years and years ago. Yeah. And then, like I mentioned, the this isn't the greatest tournament report. It's only a tribute is an amazing one and there's a series it's like this isn't a tribute two three and like it's the same guys yeah. that, that write them they're, they're all fantastic and they're all legacy tournament reports that just like this is how degenerate legacy... grinders it's amazing yeah and it's like these reports really encapsulate what legacy is at its core even when it was like all right all we're doing is spinning tops and playing terminus it's like this the format was just still this goofy thing and these tournament reports were great Oh, yeah. kind of handle that so being able to take on that content a, a little more has kind of afforded me uh, a better outlook on the of the game as a whole even through stagnation seeing legacy fnm's fire way more on uh moto because of you know the pandemic you know warmed my az heart like seeing modern fnm's fire in droves it becoming and holding uh the title of like the most popular format on moto until cube rolls around like these have been incredibly interesting to me and keeps me engaged with the game better than paying attention to standard and pioneer and historic these extremely volatile and in my mind like short life formats because standard constantly rotates which is great that's how the game has to happen and then pioneer and historic are going to quote unquote rotate by way of bannings it's just going to yeah. happen that's how they're going to have to handle those formats trying to print direct to them right now is very dangerous maybe they'll be more enjoyable later but not right now certainly not uh i actually have the second report bookmarked so i just sent it to you so oh, nice you can enjoy uh my my third and probably most important was i finally finished oh my god the thousand collection uh, he doesn't know it, but the guy that finished it, who is a vendor with MTG95, I told him to sign me the ones that he picked out of MTG95's bulk. Those are numbers <laughs> 999 and 1000. So, oh my god. <laughs> uh, it's silly, but it's what I've literally been working on this for oh. 20 years now. Um, the rule was I couldn't buy them. Uh, they had to be found. Full disclosure, uh, after I hit the 1,000, I did buy out Miniature Market of all of their 
Mountain Goats because I had outstanding gift cards there and I couldn't think of anything better to do with $30 than oh, that's buy awesome. a bunch of Mountain Goats. So, yeah. uh, the grail goal is achieved, finally. That's, that's awesome. That's what we're going out on. That, that's, a, that's a good way to end this part of it. Uh, related, yeah. though, uh, I think I might have mentioned last year, and I don't know if I flashed it before, uh, I've had a... One, one was unhinged uh 2004 so the sit uh, the 16 year long joke i like my i bought tales of adventure out of ass weapons so this is what like a hundred and some promo foil promo ass, ass weapons look like signed by me and another degenerate from the event and the story behind it is fantastic but i need to send him a new year's card that's like 20 2020 sure was a and then put an ass whooping in there but i have like 98 to send to one guy over the next lifetime yeah that was the goal i unlocked as well <laughs> passion project i'm not proud That's... of it yet but <laughs> 2020 is an interesting year overall we without vending we really got to refocus and rehone how we look at the game and what we want to do with it how we experience the game and a lot of people will probably say oh we moved to arena or we moved to these alternative formats and if you don't come back to what you did before that's perfectly acceptable um yeah i expect if we're able to actually have uh the nami event in the next year or two people will come out to an event like that because it's a charity event i worry about something like fnms and small tournaments here is like we're trying to put on localized events not necessarily the star city because those are kind of like big like hoopla events like small circus kind of things like me you know, magic fests but if people just locked in on arena and moto and that's where they grind their quote-unquote paper events now it's going to be very hard for stores to really bring back fnm and for the small tournament series that i want to have you know fire i'm the first i expect the first pre-release out of the pandemic to be nuts but oh yeah it's because, gonna be insane because it's been um, it'll be over a year of people buying paper product with no way to sell out up here yep. up here um but i don't know what it's going to be like everywhere else and i don't expect that trend to <clears> continue really so I'm, there's a bit of trepidation for me in regards to what I'm most proud of, but able, being able to change my vision and the way I focus on the game was incredible this year. So I think I'm done waxing poetic. How are you doing? You feeling good? We're good. All let's right. let's kick it off. All right, I'll have to fix. Uh, did you go first last week, or did I babble on about thematic compass? You went first last week. So touching on what you've been paying more attention to, EDH. I am picking Packfoil Metallic Mimic. So, uh, caveat, this card's $12. So get it for Sick Deal's price of about $10. You'll be golden. Yes. The interesting thing about this card, so obviously we're getting a lot of tribal stuff spoiled. We just had an angel from Kaldheim Leap that interacted with clerics. Promptly, Ancestor's Prophet was bought out on TCG Player mm -hmm. and went from a $3 LP foil to a minimum of 12 And there's only four left. Similarly, other Lords of Tribes have been bought up on other websites. Prices have spiked. What's been interesting for me and why I picked Metallic Mimic, uh, the supply has been dwindling, not just on TCG, but on Card Kingdom, Star City, and Miniature Market as well. Mm -hmm. The reason that's interesting is because it is clearly organic demand on this card. Yeah. Because people don't buy out Card Kingdom at, until they've bought out TCG. You just don't. 
So we've gone from six near mint metallic mimics from two weeks ago to two on Card Kingdom. At Miniature Market, we've gone from six to two. Star City sold out. They had three. Now TCG has gone from about, I believe it was the high 30s to now 29 of all conditions. So why now? Well, the obvious lords have all been bought out. And we have Kaldheim, which is going to be tribal, and we have Strixhaven, which is going to be tribal, and we have Dungeons and Dragons, which is also going to be tribal. So we're about to hit this really like golden age for finance for tribal cards. Mm -hmm. And this was something that we'd mentioned a couple episodes ago when we were talking about stuff to look out for, yes, yeah. where specking is more of an art than a science. Uh, I'm laying my stamp on this one. Okay. Why the set foil? Set foil is more liquid than the pre-release foil, for one, and even though there's fewer pre-release foils. And for two, uh, this is a card that, being EDH, occupies the really attainable foil like price yeah. range of that 10 to $50, and it's sitting right at the bottom of that. So this is one of those things that as tribes get more popular, as they get more support, this is a card that will go in every tribal deck. Now, I think there is a chance we could see this in Strixhaven. Being a wizard plane, there may be some artificing there, so yep. we could see a metallic mimic. So, small caveat there. That said, I don't see this card as foil ever dipping long-term below $10 at this point. No. There's too much demand for casual EDH. There are too many tribes. Uh, we were just looking on EDH rec and it was like just minotaurs samurai reaper king which is not really scarecrow tribal uh just rats every like weird out there aggro tribe you can think of this goes into and because it is so universal across tribal that's one of the reasons that i think this is an incredibly good pickup right now because the demand is only going to increase and i mean it's Kaladesh, so we already have all of it out there. There's not stockpiles of this stuff sealed sitting around. People were trying to get inventions. They cracked everything they could. So I just think it's a really good opportunity timeline-wise. If we dodge a Strixhaven reprint, I think it would be very easy to buy list this for a double up mm -hmm. within the next six to nine months. No, I, I agree. And... I like the card overall foil and not because of how unique it is. It falls into the same uh, category as the white shapeshifter from uh, Lorwyn is Mirror Entity, the one yeah. that just pumps your creatures that share attack. Yeah. It's, it's just like that. It's wide open. It's not quite coat of arms, but it falls into that like very like malleable yeah kind of place where it can fit and do whatever it needs to do wherever you need it as long as you can dedicate to the cause the cause being the tribe i thought this was played and constructed and i was right it was played in modern uh hardened scales you know rip yep. that deck because mobile is gone but it does see play in pioneer a little bit like a little bit of play in pioneer a little bit of play in historic and two people in legacy played it somebody played it in hardened scales in that format because you can still play mox opal and another one in humans which seems really funny but that's not the hero there but uh, with rick 
Who knows? I, I didn't look. I just saw it, somebody yeah. playing in humans. I, I didn't really want to go that far. It was five colors, so on the surface, sure, it could have had all the, the Walking Dead characters. But uh, besides the point, the fact that Metallic Mimic is just so, like I said, malleable to the situation at hand, I, I think it really just adds a lot to anything you're trying to do tribal that isn't slivers and lends itself to an increasing price tag long term because it's an artifact that does something that you generally expect from a card in your tribe's colors so uh, good pickup overall I didn't even think about the reprint possibility in Strixhaven so I'm glad you pointed that out yeah it's just one of like I'm not I'm never focused on something like artificing on Strixhaven because I think I always think back to, this is the year of the IP, it's going to be Harry Potter. But there's no yeah. Tezzeret, you know, or no Urza that I, I know within the Harry Potter universe. And I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure that somebody does it. But, you know, it wasn't big and flashy in the movies, so F it. Yeah. I'm also sticking with the tribal theme for this week. And my pick is going to be Doran the Siege Tower from Lorwyn. <laughs> Uh, it's a card near and dear to my heart because I think I have purchased every version of this besides the full art promo. The last one I had I picked up was the judge promo, and I have it signed. Well, the outer sleeve signed by like everybody on coverage as a gift. So when I first started playing Commander, this is actually one of the decks I played against because at that time Extended was kind of sort of still a format, and the Doran deck and Extended could kill on like turn four where you just like played the tree folk tutor for another tree folk yep. tu tutor 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 doran and now all your trees are swinging like for threes and fives and that was super awesome the it was pretty great yeah yeah and, and the theme to doran really hasn't changed and it's that you know butts matter we're looking at cards with high toughness we are looking at tree folk tribal and sometimes a little bit of spider tribal yeah. Because spiders are known to have some pretty high toughness. Now, the primary issue with Doran is that the demand that we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks is not really based on EDH demand. So uh, when I bring up Doran on Rex, you'll see that it's, as a commander, in 700 decks total, it's less as a regular card. That, to me, says this is really a kitchen table card. Yeah. The, it did get uh, a little bit of... A bump from Commander Legends uh, with uh, Kalfenor, the last U that is... I'll bring this card up. Uh, it's, it's a 3-7 Vigilance Reach. Whenever it or another creature you control dies, return up to one other target creature card with lesser toughness from your graveyard to your hand. Right? So you're just playing a lot of big toughness creatures, so you get a tutor and back and forth. And as you saw, the Abzan uh, Battle Bond style lands. ETB if you have more than one opponent, right? So it got a little bit from that. Uh, it also got some reprints in uh, Ikra, Shadiki the Usurper. And that, yeah. that card's not terrible in the deck. It gives your creatures menace. It has partner, which doesn't really matter. So short term, it got a little bit of help. Now, as I mentioned, this is a casual card that plays pretty much into casual yet entertaining archetypes, both at the kitchen table and in Commander. And every year it receives a little bit of aid, generally in the form of standard supplements. So a card like Assault for, uh, Formation, which is uh, an enchantment that is the exact same thing as Doran. It allows your uh, creatures to swing with a toughness instead of, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, only your creatures though, not everyone. 
And yeah, just you, yours. Yep, and it has an activated ability where you can ma- allow your walls to attack. So if you're going to play something like Tree of Perdition, which is a 0-13, you can let it swing through, right? Uh, but the other thing is that the Doran deck actually slows down the game and allows for sometimes a little more engaging gameplay because everybody's swinging with their butts. So it yeah. makes this kind of endearing atmosphere at, at the table. But because of these Toughness Matters cards that we see coming down the pipe every couple of years, this gives Doran new looks every now and again, which you know generally pushes demand a little bit. And like I said, this is a kitchen table card right now with the right video or the right card coming up, then we, we are going to see Doran kind of take off because everything in this deck is low-hanging fruit. Everything in the Doran deck, no matter how you build it, is super-duper cheap right now. Yeah. The only thing that carries a price tag is Sapling of Kalfenor, and that is a Tree Folk-specific card and doesn't do anything outside of the Doran deck. Very interesting that it actually has a larger price tag than Doran. Now, all that said... Uh, my timeline for the Lorwyn set non-foil, uh, which I'm choosing because it has the smallest delta, is probably about nine, seven to nine months out. That, based on the tra- price trajectory that we're seeing, puts us out of the supplemental sets, where I don't think this card will get reprinted, and allows us to get the most number of looks at any kind of additional tree folk that could show up and bolster this deck or maybe something that's just big toughness to bolster this deck and that's really what we're looking for i don't think we're going to get it in call time if i had to guess we'll probably get it more towards the D &D, uh, side of things where you might get some some of the weird like passive creatures that exist in D &D where they just want to do nothing but obstruct or they're just impossible to kill so you've got to go around to solve a you you have to solve a puzzle to get past them essentially walls at which point this works fantastically the the other thing about the seven to nine month timeline on this is that if you look at the price and i'll bring it back up on stocks you'll see that the increase is kind of untenable for what we're seeing based on kitchen table demand where it's basically been increasing by about 25 cents or so uh every couple of weeks on ck it went up about a dollar in bilis in about a month and i don't see that lasting for seven months this will slow we're going to pass through a number of standard sets but again the moment this gets something new this gets eyes etc this is when this card goes up it's a casual card through and through it's extremely easy to pick up the delta between uh the set non-foil on tcg and ck is extremely small and if i were to have bought in uh when i first started monitoring this card i believe i could have already cashed out for a profit it's just very slow moving in the marketplace it is very much a sleeper card uh, across uh, playability and sitting on this is not really going to do much for you besides tie up a little bit of inventory space and a very small amount of cash overall. This isn't a card that gets reprinted in supplementals. We know that. They don't like putting this card anywhere. Like I said, it's got a judge promo, it's got an FTV promo, and it's on the list. That's it. Yeah. I, I think too, one of the interesting things is that, you know, you talk about it taking up in inventory space, it is, however, the whole reason you're picking it is that it's eminently EDH. 
And so even if it ties up inventory space, you're never waiting that long to get out of it if you need that space. Yeah. If you need that, you know, couple dollars, whatever. It's incredibly liquid. I think, too, like you said, uh, some of the passive races in D&D that we may get in that set may actually boost it up. And I'm not sure uh, if, you know, anyone listening remembers when Chromium came out. Doran saw a little bit of a surge as well because you had something else that did a similar effect. So if something gets printed in Strixhaven or Dungeons and Dragons that has a similar effect, yep. based on what we've seen in the past, it's only good for Doran because it just brings more eyes to that effect so people try to build cards approximate to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that, you know, I like the 7 to 9 window. I think it may be that if you do pick it up and sit on it, you may get an itchy trigger finger if something happens beforehand. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Lock in your margins and dip. Yeah, uh, one of the things that we saw was in Modern Horizons, uh, there was actually, a, there's an Umbra that was printed for uh, essentially this deck. I had it written down, I think I lost it. Um, whatever. It gave plus zero, plus five. Yep. It was, and it just gets a little bit of support every now and again and that's going to make stuff like this pop and like you said if you have that itchy trigger finger all you need to do is see one of these cards you know come through watch for a little bit and then dip when you have the ability to because you know you've made your money you got in early enough tree folk umbra it's named after the yeah fucking thing uh enchanted creature gets o2 and assigns combat damage equal to its toughness totem armor you know they do throw bones at this deck every now and again and I expect them to, and expect them to continue to, because they've had tree folk since Alpha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is just a, a, a perennial thing, and if you build this deck properly, it can be extremely aggressive. It's just not that great at the table because you're kind of limited in what you can do. I think it's better than Arcades the Strategist, right? The one from uh, Corset a couple of years back, trading... Yeah, that's um, the one, not Chromium Arcades. Yeah. Uh, trading blue for green, I think, gives you m many more options, but hey... Yeah, it is what it is. So, I, I like Doran, like I said, for about that seven to nine month uh, window, and this is something I'd probably pick up a set or two of and really not think twice about it, just toss it away and yeah. check in every now and again just because of how long it's been on hot lists and how long people have been looking to pick this up with little, uh, like, EDH attention. Yep. The EDH crowd just hasn't gotten here. It's the casual car, uh, crowd driving this. So once the EDH crowd arrives, man, that's it. This card's done. So, I think it's solid. Thank you. That's my pick for this week. Uh, unless you got anything, I think we're all set. We can skedaddle. Nope. All right. So uh, that is our episode for this week. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, the Google Podcast thingy, uh, and Audible. I don't remember what it's called. I don't know either. And you can find me on Twitter at Halt I Am Reptar, and we can find you at Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week.